Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Linda Pinizzato at the Hayes FM, the condo expert. You know, we've uh, been speaking about tarry-on warranties, and Bob Coffee is here at the studio with me today. Bob, you know, the, um, the breakdown that people sometimes don't understand is the tarry-on warranty that is part of the actual condo building versus the tarry-on warranty that's actually part of the unit. And I'm finding that just with complaints that come into the Condo Owners Association, we're quite amazed at how many people get more concerned about their actual unit when the big picture is really the building because that's where the expenditures are. I know, but again, you see, uh, a person sees a flaw in their unit and then they kind of think to themselves, how serious is this and does it extend beyond my unit and that's i think is is one of the is one of the problems so you've got the ins kind of the inside and the outside well that's right and so it's funny because if i looked at the terry on and everyone should do that if they're buying a new product they should really get online mm-hmm. to uh terry on dot com and check out their warranty program so that they know exactly what they've got or what they could potentially have should they decide to buy number one year first year unauthorized substitutions and they have to make sure that the property is is fit for habitation and anything that is part of the ontario building code violation uh, which starts of the day of possession i'm going to touch on that a little bit here is that uh, substitutions that's interesting. So, I mean, how would you be able to, if you've bought something and then all of a sudden you're substituting it for something else or the builder's substituting, I would think that some people may not even pay attention to the fact that that's a coverage. Well, they may not They may not know about it. It's a question of, you know, what, what are they going to do to do their own inspection? And most of us aren't qualified to do an inspection of a unit other than what you could what you could see so you know a lot of the problems in the individual units could deal with the quality of toilets could be they don't have the right type of of plumbing in the in the sinks and and things of of that nature and then the worst thing i think in terms of the new home warranty is that it doesn't cover conversions in other words, you know, there's a whole lot of condos going up that was a conversion of a factory or something like that. And it's my understanding that that's not covered by Tarion. No, it's and, not. And it's people, a big issue. And people may not necessarily understand that that's the situation, you know, because they hear, oh, well, you don't have to worry about that, et cetera, et cetera. Well, exactly. Conversions are a big issue out there because, I mean, those are buildings that could be 20, 25, 30 years old. I mean, they started, as you said, either a maybe an apartment, a rental apartment building or a factory warehouse, and they have conversions. So I, I think 
As far as um, being pretty, I mean, anyone can go in and take a unit and doll it all up and put in lovely hardwood or engineered hardwood floors and, you know, fix the, uh, put, of course, stainless steel appliances. And I mean, how much more can you actually do to the unit to make it look attractive? But again, we're going back to where the building is. So conversions could be a real eyesore as far as uh, maybe having unexpected costs down the road. Absolutely. And I mean, I can appreciate that that's one reason why they don't want to cover conversions. But again, I, I think the problem is to get the right information and the proper information out to the general public. And that's what I think is the key thing that has to happen. Well, exactly. So, And then you talk about the second year. So now we're talking about water penetration through basement or foundation walls, defects in material windows, doors, and caulking, defects result in water penetration on the building envelope, and then, of course, electrical, plumbing, heating, distribution systems, uh, I guess exterior cladding, which would be brickwork, which would have been the problem that uh, you had known about that building was, was part of that. Right. But that's on the second year. I mean, that may not happen in the second year. That, what if it well, happens in the fourth year? Well, the only way I, th- I believe this building f- was able to do it was a brick fell out, which then is a completely different issue. That's a safety issue now. Well, that's right, because the violations of the Ontario Building Code, health and safety, set, uh, it pretty much steps into the picture as well. That's right. As you know, I've got 17 years where I've been the president of a board of directors. In one building in particular, I found that the uh, it's amazing how very few cameras the builders want to bring into these buildings, uh, like security cameras. I mean, we had backdoor entrances. We had a front entrance from Spadina. Uh, sorry, Front Street actually coming in, and we had no cameras there. We didn't even have, we just had an ordinary key lock kind of a situation. No cameras, no fob. So health and safety. Maybe I can uh, do an FYI for uh, directors out there. What do you think? Well, <laughs> that, could, that could be. As you know, I've been the, the chair of public REITs and yeah. private REITs, and we understand what can go wrong in a building because when when you're owning a rental REIT, you, you get feedback and, you know, if you want the people to continue to rent from you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to fix it up. Whereas when you're a condo owner, in effect, you're renting from yourself and the only person you can complain to is yourself or do you have a real carry-on claim? Well, that's right. And then if you go ahead, you know, with the application process and you send it in, then it's really going to be incumbent on them deciding that, yes, it does fall within these one and two year guidelines. Because if it's past that time, it doesn't appear as if it's going to have coverage. Yeah, well, one and two years is a little bit of a problem. And I, I assume the one year starts from the turnover date. Is that correct? Yeah, it would be not necessarily the turnover because they're they're actually cutting it shy of it because they're saying when you take possession. So that's an interesting point that you've made because you could take possession on June 30th, but that actual turnover meeting may not come down for at least 30 to 40 days afterwards where the uh, the developer hands over the papers and documents of the corporation. So there's actually a window in there for about maybe, you know, minimum, maybe 30 days, could be 40 days, could be 60 days. But that 
probably would only be on the inside, the individual owner's problem versus the condo corporation's problem probably starts from the turnover date, right? Uh, no, because according to the Terion website, everything that I've seen through the entire website identified it as being the uh, the date of possession. So the date of possession is an interesting one because you see your your mortgages and everything else take effect when you take possession. However, the corporation is registered at that time. That's how you're taking possession. But generally, it takes time for you to arrange the turnover meeting, which then is the election process for the board of directors. So that could potentially be 30 to 40, even 60 days after. Well, I think it's one of those things so, that we need to... It's a good idea. Tell the ministry, you know, come up with a date that's the appropriate date. Well, in condominiums, I yeah. mean, you know, you could ha- lose an awful lot of money if you're going to find yourself just outside of warranty for those dates. Right. Especially if right. you don't have a board right. intact until 30 yeah. to 60 days afterwards. Yeah. But again... Good point. The Very building, good point, Bob. Building materials <laughs> are supposed to last longer. Unfortunately, we're finding that things don't last the way they used to last. So you may find that even when someone is doing the update of the reserve fund, you know, if someone says we're going to do hallway replacement like rugs and wallpaper and stuff like that in 10 years, it looks like it's being done maybe every five to seven years, depending on the condominium and, you know, the size and things like that. So there's a lot of things that I think need to be tightened up in the whole area of of warranty. And, you know, the reserve fund, in a sense, is a warranty fund, you know, because it's for replacement. So right. it all depends on how you look at it. Well, exactly. And, you know, the the other problem, too, is that there is no really strong governance on that that reserve fund. I mean, if a, if a board of directors makes the decision tomorrow that rather than fixing something in the roof that is maybe right at the point where it's the reserve fund is saying yes, the reserve fund study is saying yes, we need to correct this problem. We need to get in there and do service on it. But the board has received notification from a service contractor that there is not a problem right now. So they may totally overlook doing anything and they may take the expenditures and put it towards something else. And then all of a sudden, the reserve fund is kicked out of whack. And they could have, you know, major problems a year later, but now they may not have the funding because they've used it on something else. So shouldn't there be maybe a, a, a lot of much more governance involved with whether or not they can tap into that reserve fund? Well, And the uh, reasons why? Well, I, th- I think that a lot of boards uh, are paying attention to what they can tap into and what they can't tap into. The problem with the reserve funds nowadays, the old legislation said that 10% of your total maintenance costs has to go into the reserve fund. That may have been okay when we had interest rates at 5 6 and 7%, but nowadays I don't think that the 10% is appropriate, and that's why we're going to find that most reserve funds are going to be under underwater. And then they won't have enough money, and then that kicks in for special assessments. Right. Right. We actually had a condo owner last week on this on the show, and uh, they ran into a situation where it was downright ridiculous. I mean, how they, they ended up with special assessments and everything else having to do with their condominium. And I know that I was on with Pat Forum on CTV last week, 
And there was a couple that their maintenance fees were eight, $800 a month. And now they got hit with an additional $300 a month to cover a special assessment. Basically the same type of thing. They identified that there was a problem in the underground and it appeared as if the uh, reserve fund was not capable of having the funding to be able to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So if the Terrion warranty was outside, totally a different entity, like an insurance company, as you're suggesting, then to be honest with you, it seems as if there would be an awful lot more accountability too. Maybe there would be a format where we could take a look at uh, specifics for the reserve fund, like maybe a reserve fund bond that would get a better interest rate. Well, that's uh, another recommendation that we're trying to suggest to the government to have something that pays a much higher percentage than the present Ontario savings bond because all the money in a reserve fund technically can only be used for job creation. So if if the government wanted to look at something that was very simple to help job creation, it would be to come up with what I call a reserve fund bond because there's very little interest rates out there. And I really believe that on the new revision of the of the Act, may have to announce each year the maximum interest rate that someone can put in. It's got to be based on something because I've seen reserve fund studies that have absolutely incorrect rates and I, I can tell you they're going to be underwater. Well, that's where the problem is. I know that uh, you and I have spoke extensively about this, and we want to put it on the table of uh, Minister of Finance, Charles Souza, because definitely there would be a way here for it to generate a certain amount of revenue for our government as well, considering that we're somewhat financially <laughs> in a difficult financial situation right now as well. So it could actually be a win-win situation if we were to uh, create a reserve fund bond for reserve funds of condominiums across the province. Yeah, and I think also if some condominiums could pool then they'd be able to have some short-term investments and some longer-term investments, whereas at the moment, most condominiums tend to only go for short-term investments, mainly because most of them are underfunded. Some of the builders now, as you know, they're grouping buildings together, so they're doing phase one, phase two, phase three. But each one of these has a different board of directors and a different corporation, which is understandable, but sometimes they're not even making the same dates. They're they're not creating. So what you have is a shared facilities between the three buildings and everyone's got a different date of their AGMs and their year ends. And there has to be more cohesiveness there. And then they could potentially pool some type of funding together, considering that the complex is indirectly one, although you have three entities to it. Well, that's that's true. And as I said, uh, you have to take a look and come up with the appropriate solution for individual situations. I was at a meeting, actually, I guess uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and it was a case where there was three buildings. Two buildings were getting along. The third building wasn't getting along. All of a sudden, you know, it was a problem because they had to pay for operating expenses to maintain the gardens and all these type of things. But the problem is, is that that third building was not willing to approve 
the uh, or wanted to move forward on a different idea of what the actual buildings were going to approve as far as the budget was concerned. So in other words, you have to get a majority vote on that uh, shared budget for the three buildings. And in this case, they could not get that majority. Right. You know, right. of all three buildings agreeing, in other words. Yeah. So yeah. that was a huge problem because, I mean, you know, right now there's no mechanism in place to force them to get along other than mediation and arbitration and some kind of a dispute resolution, which, again, has been on the table as far as a huge problem, hasn't it? Yeah. But, it, again, it's it's the attitude that happens. Like, for example, I'm aware of a situation where the condo has literally huge gardens. Well, a lot of people feel that everybody should pay the same amount of money for the cost of the garden because everybody can use it, you know, whether you've got a big condo or a small condo. So there's a whole lot of issues that, that come out as to how reserve funds and, and common elements need to be shared and, and things like that. And, you know, hopefully you can get agreement with all of the people. But again, that agreement needs to come in the status certificate because, right. because again, you have commercial and condo residents. And again, there's a whole lot of problems that you need to resolve there because the commercial may wear out a hang of a lot faster than the condominiums. And that's another another type of problem, maybe with the electrical systems and, you know, a whole lot of things that really have to be taken a look at on a building-by-building building basis, let me put it that way. So, you know, when, you, when we talk about all of this and we look at tarry-on warranties and we look at uh, reserve funds and, and status certificates and monies that could step forward, things that you don't even expect as far as expenditures, really, you've got to go back to the beginning of this whole thing. If these buildings are built properly and they have a proper warranty, not just one in two years, you know, they have an infrastructure for a strong warranty that's maybe by a private source as opposed to the structure that's in place now. At the end of the day, we may not have the kind of problems that we have right now. Something well, to think about, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's all types of issues that come up. Like, for example, right now, the government is concerned that automobile insurance is too expensive. So they're thinking about doing something about it. But again, the automobile companies, if they, if, if they know, generally speaking, that it's too high a rate, then if one of them wants to be more competitive, they could be. And if they're not doing anything, then technically the Combines Commission ought to be the one that's investigating automobile insurance. Right, exactly. So as a separate entity, there's going to be more governance as far as what exactly is going on. Right. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato with the Condo Expert at the Hayes FM. We'll be right back. Thank you. Oh, my computer crashed. Oh, no, I've got a virus. Oh, uh, no way. No internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday, 647-977-7113, itmayday.com. Get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. 
So remember, contact coaontario.com. We have a wonderful website. If you're in Toronto, you can go coatoronto.com. This is Linda Pinizzato of the Hayes FM. You're listening to The Condo Expert. And let us hear your comments. We want to help. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight.